Hello and welcome to another episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. Guys, I'm hanging around the table with the Crown Killers who are here to escape a turtle lair. Just like Mario before them. We're going to introduce their characters, ladies and gentlemen. But before we do that, uh, they're going to answer the question. If your character was a farm animal, which one would it be? Hail and well met, adventurers. I am Matthew and I play Shavi, the rogue assassin of the group. I was a farm animal. I would be that waggly wabbit. That the farmer cannot fucking get. <laughs> Why Keeps you eating their potatoes. <laughs> G'day guys, Michael, and I play Drew Ede, the ugly human druid. And as far as farm animal goes, I think it would probably be one of the dogs, potentially Border Collie, who's just always happy to see everyone and any kind of affection. Everyone is a friend. Hi, I'm Tom. I play uh, Mardox Beyond again. He is a Bogan Barbarian Berserker. I've been practicing that for weeks now. I, I, look, I'd really love to say pig here, like in context of the last few episodes, but um, he would be like that uh, goat that's always like fucking the farmer up when they're like, he's like trying to put the feet out, just slams him out of nowhere. It'd just be constantly headbutting everyone all the time. Yeah, I, I can imagine a scene where the farmer goes out to go into the tractor and um, Mardox is just, as a goat is just- Get off the fucking tractor! <laughs> occasionally when it's silent, all you hear is- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'd just be like, where the fuck is that goat? Yeah. <laughs> Doosh. Yeah, g'day guys, my name's Kyle, I play Jasui Undu, um, and I reckon he would be the rooster. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Massive cock-a-doodle-doo. Any cockle-doo. <laughs> <laughs> I am Aaron. I'm your dungeon master of D&D Valiant Odyssey. And if I was a farm animal, I would be. Yeah, there we go. I'm old McDonald and um, I'm extremely annoyed by the, the screaming goat. So without any further ado, we're going to do <laughs> <laughs> Old McDonald had a D&D podcast. E-I-E-I-O. There you go. That's the way it goes. The crown killers, along with Milo's assassins, have infiltrated the lair. Of Demos Tortuga while he lays waste to the Bay of Mediteri. Whilst in there, they are looking for a powerful artifact, one they hope will turn the tides against Delnak the Outcast. Jasui, having secretly found the real artifact, is hoping the assassins will make leave with a decoy device. Crown killers must escape before Demos returns, the cave collapses before the assassins realize what they truly hold. So as you guys look into this area, you can hear the sounds of Demos Tortuga burrowing in the uh, depths below. You stand on this stone land plateau with mountains of treasure all around you. You guys finding your footing in this golden uh, mountainous span you actually see the barnacles beginning to move their tendrils through this area, grappling what comes closest to them. You can also see crabs pouring their way out of the portal, which is swirling like a vortex in the water below you. As you look upward, you can see the small two meter or so crack in the roof that provided your entry. And you also see three of Milo's assassins seeming to pop their head into that crack to look down to see their companions as they begin coming towards you. One of the escaping assassins does hold a magical scepter slash staff that you guys had previously thought was the weapon in question. However, Jasui had pocketed the one that he believes is the real one. At that, we cut in with the barnacles turn. So the barnacles grab what is closest to them. So from that, one barnacle will attempt to grab the fleeing assassin as he is 20 feet away from him. The next 
will grab the assassin that is closest to Mardox, it being the closest thing to him. And the last barnacle will attempt, or it won't grab the crab because they're on, a, they're on the same teammates. side. So it'll go for um, the first roll of Aaron's day. That is going to miss the assassin. The one against Bjorn will also miss. And the one against the last assassin, fuck, that'll hit. <laughs> Excellent. So with a 19, that will hit the assassin. So you watch then as he becomes grappled by this barnacle and he seems to not be able to move as he goes to slice his dagger towards you, Mardox. You watch as the tongue-like tendril wraps around his arm and just stops an inch away from your uh, forehead as you turn around, mullet flicking in the golden light. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So with that, it becomes Drew's turn at the moment. Drew, you are lying down looking... Straight up at Mardox's ball sack as yeah. he is swinging an axe through this area sweat, defending you. Sweat dripping on your forehead. <laughs> Not feeling good, boys. You um, can still hear the echo of his call of admiration. Bruce! <laughs> Just echoes through this whole Excellent. chamber. Yeah, echoing back and forth. With that in mind and Drew feeling like shit. Most important thing on his mind right now is, can, is there a way he can tell how far away Demos is? Okay. Potentially roll perception or something like that. As you hear the rumbling of rocks coming from around you, there is also the swirl of the portal and you do hear reverberating voices throughout. You do extend your hands out to the stone and close your eyes to try and to try and sense a tremor through the earth. You can roll a nature check, please. Okay. You have pretty good nature, don't you? No, it's garbage. What the hell? That makes no sense. 11. You know that Demos will be here. There's no knowing whether he's going to be here. You just feel the vibrations coming through your hands. They are furious. So you know he's like rage digging right now, uh, but you, you're not sure how long it will take. Rage him. digging. That's fine. With that in tow, because yeah, the only drama that I think is on everyone's minds is the couple of assassins that are up the top there waiting for us. So my problem is with the bloody turn order, if I get there first, I'm fucked. But if I'm left down below when everyone else is up, Demos might get there and fuck me. So first thing I'm going to do is exactly as cure wounds myself to hopefully heal me up a bit. I'm going to use that as a fourth level spell slot. I'm going to put two hands to me chest and do a little clear. Flash. Yeah, clear flash of green. And what do we got? Oh, yes, it's two eights. There's and a seven. Sweet. 27 plus four is 31. That is yes. very good. Where he's uh, sort of hiding near the where he picked up the boot and the rod, just uh, yells out to Drew, my friend, run! Awesome. All right. With that in mind, then I think, yeah, because it was definitely if we weren't going to make it out of the top of the eternal two, Drew wants to try and run for the portal. Is there a possibility that the portal puts us out in an alternate dimension? Oh, that'd be cool. Multiverse. The only info I think Aaron gave us last episode was a long way away from here. That's pretty much it. It it looked pretty far off, but you can see these crab-like creatures coming through the portal at a pretty expeditious pace. Would any of us know where they're native to? You can all roll nature checks as you're in this foray. You take a moment to become David Attenborough. 17. Nine. What what particular check was that? Nature. 12. Maddie, what'd you get? Eight. Okay, so Mardox looking at these crabs through the area. <laughs> Mardox knows his crabs. You've smashed a lot of crabs over the years. He has definitely seen a lot of crabs. This is not one that you have enjoyed the culinary delights of at the dinner table. They're definitely not from around this oceanic zone. 
you can tell that. So as Drew gets up, like you can see him down below you looking towards the portal, looking at the crabs. You have this uh, information in your brain if you'd want to share just it. Just kind of just realize that, like, that, that portal goes a long way. All righty. Well, if I can't get to the portal in a turn, then I guess we're staying in here and trying to go out through the top as a uh, bonus action. Actually, who is there anyone within five feet of me that can attack me? Yes, there's the one crab, crab and the assassin. But the, the crab and the assassin. The God assassin's damn. restrained, so he'll have um, disadvantage. No problem. Well, then in that, Drew is going to almost fall down flat on his stomach, and you're going to see his arms turn into pincers, his butt grows a giant stinger tail, and he's going to turn into a giant scorpion. So I will say for you, Mardox, roll an animal handling check to stay on. 14. Is I'm going to half stand up so that my shoulders are directly underneath Mardox. And as I turn to a scorpion, because it's a large creature, he's now riding the scorpion. Fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you get? 14. That's enough for you to stay on. So you can see Mardox <laughs> holding this axe above his funnelette <laughs> shirt, just flowing in the distance. A shining mullet as this scorpion rears like the mightiest of broncos in this cavern. Cool. So yeah, so now all we see is yeah, like two pincers and two axes just... Um, and it's half my movement to, I guess, stand up? Yes. Cool. So Scorpion's got 40 feet. So yeah, um, yeah we're going to try and book it close to, as close as we can to underneath the where we need to get out from. So for your knowledge, the, the hole in the roof. Yes. It is 80 feet to get to the space where if you looked straight up, the, the, the crack would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also 80 feet upwards from where you're standing as well. So it's 80 by 80 Pythagoras. Who said we wouldn't use it? Holy shit. We've used it like three times. I know. Cool. And that will end my turn. There we go. Okay. So a monstrous turn. You can see Drew uh, rearing downward. And as he lands, his pincers landing in the gold. You can see it shine straight up as it erupts like a massive explosion. Almost like it's raining money in this space. Drew and Mardox begin to move out of this space. They will get a tax of opportunity on you. Okay, so the first one is going to be from the crab. The crab's going to go for the um, scorpion. It's a 14 on the dice. There'll be that'll 17. Hit, yep, that'll hit. Okay, so it'll take four points of bludgeoning damage, and the target is grappled, so you can't move. Cool. Ooh. So he stays there. Ooh. Bugger. Okay, so as the crab attacks you, it grapples onto the scorpion's leg. And you know how sometimes a crab has one massive pincer and one tiny one? <laughs> the assassin will still get his attack of opportunity because these all resolve at the same time. He'll probably be going for Mardox because assassins attack people. So for Mardox, that will be a 14. Yeah, miss. Yep. Yeah, so the swipe just goes straight across. Once again, the tentacle around his arm pulls it back uh, from, from doing any damage to you. Okay, so that's their attack of opportunities. Your turn is done. Drew, going into round four. Xavi, you're up. All righty then. Shavi is going to seize that. What's happening? Seize that Drew and Mardox riding his noble steed, mm. uh, ready to make the piss bolt and leg it. Shavi is going to follow in tow, but he is going to, on his way through, run at the assassin and give him a bit of a jibby jab. Okay, so you begin to run 20 feet from your invisible hiding place because you're still invisible. Uh, you get to the assassin. You get to the assassin who's restrained and who's just attacked Mardox and you see an opening uh, as his body is not prepared for the attack coming from you. So you'll get sneak attack but not surprise because you've already 
15 is what you need, I'm pretty sure. From from memory. Tis indeed what you need. So your jib hits. Plus 7 is 48 damage there. So what does only yourself see as the rest of... And all you see is the man, or the assassin, standing there. And then his head slowly slides off to the side. <laughs> Love and it. falls to the ground. With like the little squirt of blood from his neck. <laughs> Mardox, I'll say from the top of the scorpion, you look down and see the head beginning to slide. You have this moment of confusion, but then as the blood splats, you can see it just land on the form of Shavi, who's invisible, and it kind of coats and outlines him a little bit before That's it cool. magically disappears and goes away. And Mardox just like kicks the the, the headless body, like, like, fuck off. It falls down <laughs> into the water and splashes, uh, becomes crab food. Okay. Shavi, as the body falls down, he puts his fingers in the assassin's blood and paints <laughs> war paint across his cheeks. So all you see is two like <laughs> puddles of blood floating in the air. No, <laughs> but he's going to use that body as it falls to leverage and jump over to the crab, if possible. I will allow it because it's cool. And he wants cool. to come down with his dagger. Yes, on the crab. Yes. So as it falls down, you jump onto the shoulders of this body, flip over Mardox and the scorpion, coming down with your daggers onto the crab that is grappling them on the other side. So one's going to hit. Yeah. Or ten damage, sir. That kills it. Do you want to describe the kill? So, yeah, he jumps off the body of the assassin, flipping over Mardox and the scorpion Drew, coming down with his dagger straight into the back, the, the carapace, they call it, and dagger straight down into the middle of it, straight through the carapace, and just cracking in all directions. The crab is very injured. The crab is no more. You watch as its legs begin to splay outwards. And in this space, you hear it do that whining thing that crabs do when they're getting cooked. (laughs) (laughs) It echoes through this entire chamber as you watch some of the rocks begin to fall through this space. The structural integrity of this cavern is not so good with Demos burrowing far below. Uh, Just sweet. That is your turn. If your movement is all done, Shavi. Yes, sir. Well, I'm obviously slotting the runner. You remember looking up at these assassins, just sweet, as you're taking in what you need to. You can see the first one beginning to run, and as he runs, you can see these purple shadows moving off of his body. It looks as though he's about to shadow step. Up above, you can see the three remaining assassins starting to dangle a rope down. You know that their shadow step distance is about 30 feet, so they're probably going to lower a rope in just in reach for this gentleman. They're trying to get him out, and then you also look to see that one of the other ones who's standing there that isn't lowering the rope has one last board with the explosive rune inscribed on it, and he looks like he's ready to throw it in this space to cave the exit in. I will say, just so you know, if you explode that runic Yeah, it'll board, collapse the whole thing. It, it's in proximity for it to be cracking over the entry. Just so you take in this scenario, and looking around, you can feel the pressures of it beginning to enclose upon you. Your uh, escape instincts are starting to become diminished and it's at that point you remember a planning conversation you had a day or so before at the moment you see a dimly lit tavern uh as the sea shanties begin to play along the outsides of this area just where you're sitting there at a barrel and you hear the sounds of claw on stone as it makes its way behind you turning around you can see an arakokra a jonathan if you will a jonathan Turning around, you can see his brown plumage looks very much like a hawk, and you can see he has a uh, experimental, rudimentary-looking blaster similar to yours. He looks towards you, and he says, Captain Jonathan, 
said you requested my presence. Indeed, I uh, I have a delicate task for you to do that I don't want really getting out to other people. But uh, there are some friends that I contacted to help us in uh, times such as these that uh, they should be making their way to Cadmia from around. If you could find one or two of these and get a message out for me, that would be greatly appreciated. You know what they say about Cora, I have the keenest eyes on the coast. You've selected the right Jonathan. <laughs> Love it. It's canon, that's what they call that. I'm uh, I'm very thankful for this. Uh, and then I hand him a scroll with like seals and stuff on it that make it look cool and mm-hmm. stuff. As and he I'll... takes it, you shake hands. Claw to hand. Claw to hand. You can see as you turn around, it begins to rain as it has been this whole time and it starts to thunder and you can see him just run straight off of the cliffside. He disappears for a moment and then flies off into the distance as the thunder begins to crack. Lit. You can see him backlit by this flash of lightning going off into the northeast to contact your allies that you'd worked so hard to collect. Roll, roll a d20 for me and you may add a plus four. 23. Okay. I'll say just sweet during this time you think about that conversation and as you look up through the crack you can see the thunder and lightning backlighting the assassins in that area but in the distance just slightly you can see coming into the periphery vision is four figures that seem to be flying post haste towards your direction that then brings us to the assassin's turn the first assassin will begin to move he'll move 15 feet underneath the crack above and then he'll hold a shadow step and at that point you watch as the two above lowering the rope lower the rope 50 or so feet the first assassin takes that as his trigger to shadow step and he lands directly on top of the rope. It's at that mo- moment as well that the second person holding the rope will use his action to start to pull him up. And it's at that point you watch as that last assassin that was inside crests his way up onto the cliffside. It's at that point they discuss something inaudibly. You can roll a perception check this, just sweet because you are the closest. 11, no, 13. Okay, so... It's inaudible due to the thunderous cracks of lightning and the rocks that seem to be falling through this area, but they do all seem to be pointing towards you. It's at that point there is a fight that ensues and you watch as the last one that was holding the rune throws it directly downward and into the side of the cavern and you watch as that fireball explodes through this area. That will do 8d6 to the rock damage in the crack, which you then start to see cave in. So they think they have the weapon and they're escaping. Okay, so at this moment, you can see the rocks beginning to fall down through this area. The structural integrity of the place is completely fucked. So at initiative count 20 from now on, rocks are going to begin to fall. If it lasts for a long time, the whole place will come down. So at this point, you're watching as these rocks begin to fall. I need... So is that, like, is the bit closed? The crack above? Yep. Okay, so, Shavi, you'll have to roll a dexterity save, please. As you can see, this rock above you just fall down and almost uh, encompass your form. Plus nine is 19. Okay, so you dive out of the way underneath a set of uh, treasured jewelry and you watch as the rock falls in your space, causing coins to shower everywhere. It's at that point as well, we uh, get to Mardox's turn. At this point, I'll say that we are out of initiative so you guys can act how you please when you please because you guys know the distance and range of these barnacles and can make your way out of it. So you have a couple of turns, maybe. You're not too sure how long it will take demos to get here but you guys can act without worrying about initiative order at this point so uh, just we 
after seeing the explosion and seeing rocks falling everywhere, instantly falls to his feet and opens the bag of holding and just starts fucking shoveling treasure yeah, into Mardox, it. Mardox is still Mardox is still frenzying, so he's like a dog, just like Mardox is using his axe like a shovel to get it in there. Yeah, I'm just all, using both hands. Yeah, it's, it's almost as river. loud as the rocks falling and the thunder outside is the sound of just jinking coins as it's being shoveled yep. into. And like we've got it like half buried, so shit's just falling in free flow. Yeah, there is like, a waterfall of coins going yep, into this bag. Yep. Hey, Shavi, catch up, eh? <laughs> Mark's like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to pick up the shiniest single coin next to me. You do. You pick up this coin. You can see it glints like a star in your in your hands. You guys just see an invisible coin floating in the air at this moment. So who's, got the, who's got the rod? Me. Get the rod? Sweet. As you guys begin to loot. Like, so if Mardox is, I don't know if you want to stay on my back or not, no, but I'm going to start. I'm on the ground. Shoveling. I'm going to start legging it towards the portal. Uh, yeah, I will bonus action turn back into a human. So then I can cast. Conjure woodland and you see a bunch of little pixie motherfuckers <laughs> floating around. Because as soon as my turn is done, the pixies can turn us all into something cool. And then as I'm running, seeing everyone looting, I'm going to scream out, Bardox, why did the barbarian mug the bard so he could take the loot? Ah! And keep running. And Bardox is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> as we all uh, we all finish up, yep, stuffing so, as much loot as we can. So yeah. at that, I will say because you've all essentially had an action, you all have to make dexterity saves to try and dodge the rocks that are falling in this space. Nineteen success. Ten. Twelve. Seventeen. Mardox and Drew, you both take eight points of damage. Luckily for you, Mardox, that sustains your rage, so you you are continually raging at the moment. So you only take four points of bludgeoning damage. So, Drew, you will have to make a concentration check for your pixies. This is true. So you got to you got to beat a ten. Oh yeah, that's a thirteen. Yeah. So looking at that, you get hit by this rock, and you've already been absolutely battered in this encounter so far. And as you do, you watch the pixies sort of fade in and out of existence, and then they solidify as Drew holds fast in this moment. Now this turn, we uh, zip up the bag of the holding. You can see for a brief moment, it is bulging like a massive Santa's sack. And then magically, it just reduces back to its normal size. And uh, I start running for the cliff edge, going, Cowabunga! And Drew is standing at the very precipice of the cliff. Like at the very edge beyond there is the water. So you're just off of him at the moment. And then for my turn, uh, yeah, I'm literally going to jump and swan dive. Uh what you will see as I'm diving is similar to the scorpion. You get a couple pincers come out, but instead this time you get eight, eight crittery crawly legs and I'm going to turn into a giant motherfucker crab. For the pixies turn, they're going to do the same thing to the boys. We're going to have three other giant huge crabs. All right. So the pixies magic takes effect and Drew and... I swan dive into the portal. Drew swan dives into the portal. Meanwhile... Jusui, Shavi, and Mardox, you sprout these eight legs, and as you're ducking, dodging, and weaving, Jusui, you can see just arms poking out of your abdomen as you begin to transform at this point. Because these guys can breathe air and water. So as your party begins to transform and make their way through this space, you hear and see the rocks around you begin to absolutely crumble from the roof above. You start to see daylight begin to poke through this space as well. But what you also see is a massive 
flippered arm poke through the bottom of the ocean and latch onto the side of the rock around you. As his head pokes through, you also hear this massive Godzilla-like scream that echoes through the entire space, and you can see static electricity just moving through this whole entire cavern. It's at that point you look and see that just to the left-hand side of the portal is the mooring figure of Demos Tortuga. The three of you remain. Uh, What would you like to do with Drew now having disappeared? As you watch him fall as a crab, you can see him just get smaller and smaller and smaller as he's being sucked down this vortex until he eventually disappears in an arcane burst. So this is what happens. As you guys begin to transform into crabs, you see Demos Tortuga just burrowing up from the underground. You can see the waters turned into this muddy expanse as rocks begin to fall. You can see the static electricity just beaming out and you watch as one crab jumps off as Shavi begins to make his way into the portal. You see a snapping jaw of Demos Tortuga go just above him as he slips into the portal below. You see Demos roar in anger. You time it perfectly, Mardox. As he begins to roar, you just sort of jump off onto the side of his face and then down into the portal as he circles down. As he's going down, he's like holds up like a middle, like crab finger. This way. <laughs> and the last, like the Terminator going into the lava, the last yes. thing you see going away yes. <laughs> is that finger. And then at the very last moment, just swee, as you begin to jump off of the edge, you see this massive mitty paw of Demos Tortuga begin to swipe across the rocky surface you're standing on. You can see it just explode. In this instance, you then see yourself jump from rock to rock to rock to rock, trying to get to the portal. And as you make your way to where the portal's radius sits, you hit it. And you suck down and escape. Demos Tortuga and the sound of rocks falling and the sound of thunderstorms begin to silence. And it's at that point you start to hear nothing. Muffled sounds as you both open your eyes getting there first. Drew and Shavi and Mardox. These three crab figures look around this space and you notice that you're underwater. It seems like you're in open ocean. Jusui pops up in this space as well. He watches the portal behind you still open and swirling. And as you look around and above you, you see this mammoth-like sea creature hulk its way above you and swim past this space. That's it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. As always, we want to thank you guys for tuning in and choosing us as your D&D entertainment. We've been hanging out in the community of D&D Valiant Odyssey, and you can do that as well if you'd like to. All you have to do is join our Discord. The link is below in the show notes, and you can also catch us on Instagram. Lately, me and the Valiant Odyssey crew have been smashing around some Baldur's Gate 3. Great game, guys. If you have the chance, definitely pick it up and go and play some fantasy RPGs with your friends as always here at DD valiant odyssey we love to shout out all of our amazing friends in the ttrpg space if you have not already the amazing eldritch buds have gone and released their very last episode of season one so make sure you go and check them out tell connor that aaron from the valiant odyssey said hello he's an amazingly talented creator and he deserves our props so go and check out the eldritch buds and as always ladies and gentlemen be valiant